the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Friday, May the 20th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. Today, on May 20, 1956, the United States exploded the first airborne hydrogen bomb over Bikini Atoll in the Pacific. Today, in 1862, President Abraham Lincoln signed the Homestead Act. That was intended to encourage settlements west of the Mississippi River by making federal land available for farming. Today in 1916, the Saturday Evening Post published its first Norman Rockwell cover. The illustration shows a scowling little boy dressed up in his Sunday best, dutifully pushing a baby carriage past a couple of boys wearing baseball uniforms. You get the message. They got to play baseball. He had to go to church. However, what a different day. Today, 1927, Charles Lindbergh took off from Roosevelt Field on Long Island, New York, aboard his Spirit of St. Louis. It was his historic uh, solo flight to France. And today, in 1932, a few years later, Amelia Earhart, she took off from Newfoundland to become the first woman to fly solo across the Atlantic. She, too, was headed for France. But because of weather and equipment problems, Earhart sat down in Northern Ireland, first land she could find after she had left Newfoundland. Today in 1948, Chiang Kai-shek was inaugurated as the first president of the Republic of China, or Taiwan as we know it. Today in 2009, in a bipartisan defeat for President Barack Obama, the Senate voted overwhelmingly 90 to 6 to keep the prison at Guantanamo Bay open for the foreseeable future and forbid the transfer of any of those guys that were being held there to the United States. Remember that big debate? Obama and um, his attorney general wanted to bring those guys to the states. I mean, they were trying to destroy America and try them under our laws as though they were citizens. That should have told us more than we wanted to know. Today in 2015, for the world's biggest banks, J.P. Morgan, Chase, Citicorp, um, Barclay, Royal Bank of Scotland, they agreed to pay more than $5 billion in penalties and to plead guilty to rigging currency markets. Local news outlet this morning in San Antonio, Texas, I noticed their featured story this morning was that they're struggling, like most U.S. cities are, and towns and rural areas, over infants' need for formula. They don't have it. But the article went on to say that San Antonio, Texas, is, I guess, the worst or the has the greatest problem of any city in the country. 56% of the retailers in the San Antonio area are out they have empty shelves. They have zero baby food or baby formula. 
It's a growing crisis that could have been averted. I've been looking into this. I, I wouldn't say that just loosely just to be like, you know, negative toward Biden, although there's plenty of things to be negative about, few to be positive about, except that God is in control of all things and this too shall pass. But boy, oh boy, this is getting tough. He could have avoided that. I've looked into it. I mean, there were a number of steps that people were telling him to take, even lefties, Democrats that he's got around him that are pulling the strings and pushing the buttons. They were telling him what to do, and he didn't do it. He wouldn't do it. I don't know why, but I'm convinced that there were steps he could have taken to avoided this some time ago. It's unbelievable. Oklahoma is poised to implement the strictest anti-abortion law in the nation. Oklahoma. State lawmakers this week, in fact on Wednesday, they gave final passage to a Texas-style ban, except it's even more restrictive on abortions, begins at conception. (laughs) Nearly all abortions would be prohibited under the legislation that would take effect immediately upon the governor, Stitt's signature. He said, I will sign it, put it on my desk. Abortion providers plan to challenge it in court. Of course, they always do. Abortion rights supporters rallied at the Oklahoma Capitol. They always do. USA Today says about the bill, the bill flouts long-standing abortion protections at the time when the U.S. Supreme Court has signaled it is willing to overturn Roe v. Wade. These guys are gasping, is it grasping for air as they go under, I'll tell you. But abortion is under attack in America, thankfully. It's about time. That is the most barbaric thing that we have ever polished and made shiny and put on the shelf as Americanism in the history of this country. Killing unwanted babies. Whether they're unborn or not, they're children. They're babies. You know, there's a it's an interesting interesting portion of scripture. You've read it, perhaps you've memorized parts of it. I'm sure you've heard your pastor or someone else preach from these verses. But let me share this with you today. I want to set this up by saying that there is a the Davos, Switzerland. World Economic Forum is going to convene again. They didn't convene last year because of the coronavirus. They're convening again on Sunday, this Sunday, this weekend. And they're they're saying some interesting things in the world news. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that today. There's famine, floods, pestilence, drought, plague, war, and rumors of war, they're saying. No, this is not First Church somewhere. This is these elites that fly in from all over the world on their private jets to talk about how much carbon we're creating and how bad we are, among other things. But they're talking about famine and floods and pestilence, drought, plague, war. And yeah, these are their words, rumors of war. (laughs) That's interesting, isn't it? So (laughs) those are the key issues that are facing the world today. In their mind, they have an agenda It's an invitation-only World Economic Forum, Davos, Switzerland. It's just the place to find the answers by select globalist elites. Klaus Schwab is the founder of this. He is an elitist. He is full of himself for sure. And he says, contrary voices will not be tolerated at this meeting this year. I guess they have tolerated some in the past. I don't know. But he said, contrary voices, I'm quoting him, will not be tolerated this year because of the importance of the meeting. 
Of course, the Biden administration will be prominently seated at the table. John Kerry will be there to carry the torch for America as we shut down fossil fuel, shut down unrelated things like baby formula is a result of their philosophy, the left's philosophy. So as you go to church this coming Sunday morning, world globalists have landed in Davos with their private planes, and in their minds, they're there to solve the problems of the world, including, of course, climate crisis. In an almost biblical-style prediction, Schwab, the founder and the executive chairman of the World Economic Forum, told journalists ahead of their meeting on Sunday and throughout the week, he said, the return of war, epidemics, and the climate crisis, all those disruptive forces have derailed the global recovery. In other words, it set us back a little bit. Those issues, he said, must be confronted in Davos. The global food crisis, in particular, needs our immediate attention. Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 through 31. I want to share some of those verses with you for the sake of time. I probably won't read them all, but let me share these verses with you. They're familiar verses. You've heard them before. As I said, some of you may have memorized some of these verses. It would be good to do that. It's good to do to memorize any verses from God's word. But verse 18 says, for the preaching, Paul writing to the Corinthians chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 says, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God <clears throat> is stronger than men. And then verse 27 says, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Every time an elitist group like these guys meet, and they do all the time. This one happens to be particularly significant because so many meet regularly. A pretty good chunk of the world economy, the world wealth, is tied up in these people. 2,500 people have been invited. They'll probably all show up, or most of them will. It's a big party. It's to see and to be seen. But it's it has, it has some energy because they have so much money behind them. Bill Gates, you know these guys. But among those headlining that are going to be talking to these people are, of course, the Ukrainian president. He'll be addressing them virtually from Kiev. He's not going there personally, but about a dozen government officials from Ukraine will be there. And uh, that'll be the biggest high-ranking delegation to leave the country, in fact, since Russia's invasion in late February. But no Russian officials or business leaders have been invited to this year's event. They're usually there. 
Other prominent people attending there include the German Chancellor, John Kerry, the NATO uh, NATO Secretary General, um, European Commission President, this Ursula, Ursula von, der Leyen, von der Leyen. There are about 50 heads of state and government, including 43 finance ministers and 27 trade and commerce ministers. So that gives you an idea of this group. You, you've heard of this before, I'm sure. You know about it. But Schwab's pitch for globalism is not subtle, and it's more aggressive this year than I've seen it. I watch these guys. I pay attention to what they talk about. No, they've never invited me. Uh, <clears throat> but I, I pay attention. I follow this each year when they get together to see what they're saying. But this year he told the press, he said, in a world which is becoming more fragmented, more divided, and where many of the traditional multilateral organizations tend to become dysfunctional, or at least mistrustful, a global platform based on informal, trust-faced, action-oriented cooperation will be ever more relevant, more important than ever before. What he's talking about in common language is globalism. He is saying that trusted organizations, the multilateral organizations, have become dysfunctional, or at least mistrustful. He's directing that primarily, I think, at the United States, but Europe as well, because there is a great amount of dysfunction here in our country today. It's due to lack of leadership. Our institutions are strong, and they are they are worthy of support. Our institutions were based on the truth of God's word, and our founders recognized that, and they took God's truth and created a foundational basis for this nation, including our two most famous founding documents, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. That Those documents were made by man, but under the, I, I believe, the guidance of God, because they prayed and asked God, and I believe if you pray and ask God, God hears and answers prayers. And they did so. I know that sounds like foolishness, quote-unquote, to the world, particularly that part of the world that's headed for Switzerland this weekend. But it's true. It's true. Where God's truth has been integrated into the systems or the very um, the organizations that these guys are talking about that are failing, to the degree that God's truth is in woven into the fabric of those institutions, they stand the test of time. That's why some of our founders, John Adams said our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. He said it won't work for anybody else. They recognized what they were doing. They didn't think, and that is, was not a call to be some kind of a, you know, everybody has to be a Christian nation. Not at all. But they were saying that Christian and Judeo-Christian values work. The other values of these guys, it doesn't matter how rich or how many airplanes they own, doesn't work. It fails. And the globalism that they're serving up as a alternative to capitalism or some kind of quasi-capitalism, socialism, European socialism kind of a thing, what they're offering the world as a substitute or, or the next step as progress, as they like to say, is simply another failing failing idea and ideology. Karl Marx gave, spent his life trying to bring about what we know as Marxism, and he miserably failed. 
It was only when guys got Gramsci and others began to take what Marx had taught and begin to say, well, it doesn't work in the economic sphere, but we can work it in the cultural if we can get embedded into the public education. That's what they said. Pete Buttigieg, his late father, he just died here a couple of years ago. He was a professor at Notre Dame, no less. He taught. He taught those courses. That's how ingrained And Pete now is, he and his husband, he is now a cabinet member. So these people have risen in various ways to various degrees to leadership. And so America, the 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 beam, the the lighthouse in the dark, the city on the hill, founded on eternal principles, are now is now leaning because of our leadership. And that's why it's important that Christians get involved and vote. You say, oh Gary, we can't get political. You better get political because you already are in in the pool. I mean, you're either gonna you're gonna you're going to vote and you're going to please God with your vote because it's well thought out. And it's the vote that God would have you to do. I oh, I feel that strongly about it. Or you're going to say, well, I'm no, I'm I'm a Christian. I can't vote, so I'm not going to vote. I I don't want to get involved in politics. That too is sin, by omission. Because God has given us this opportunity. To whom much is given, much is required. And it's required that we be stewards of what God gives us, whether it's the environment, our lives, our money. Our vote. That's a scriptural principle. So we've got to get involved. We've got to get new leadership. I mean, it's just a matter of things. Well, is that more important than preaching the gospel? Of course not. But by preserving the gospel or preserving the freedom, we can preach the gospel. Bill Federer, I don't know if you're familiar with him or not, but I, I read him a lot. And... Um, he um, he does a lot of historical stuff. It's really good. And he does the American Minute. He said once, I, I can't remember where he was when he said it, but it's not that important where he was. But what he said is very important. He said the most important thing is to bring people to Christ. And the second most important thing is to preserve the freedom to do the most important thing. Well, that was the attitude of many pastors and seminary trained founders in America's early government. But we strayed from what we were to what we are. Primarily because Christians have not taken the lead and not been informed. We've handed our kids off every morning to a big yellow bus. And the government has said, don't worry, we're here to help you. As Ronald Reagan once said, terrifying words. Don't worry, we'll take care of your child. We'll bring them home at 210 when they get off the bus or whatever. And they've taken care of them, all right. They've, they have not educated, but indoctrinated two or three generations now. And we're seeing the result of that in our country. And this is the result of these guys that are meeting in Davos this weekend. They really think they can bring about globalism, and Klaus Schwab is committed to that. He is a globalist to the core. He doesn't care about anything else except that and his own wealth. As I said, his pitch for globalism is not subtle. He told the press, in a world which is becoming more fragmented, more divided, where many of the traditional multilateral organizations tend to become dysfunctional, 
This is a great time to be saying that. Take a look at America. Look at the president of America. He can't speak. I mean, I don't mean that. I, I mean that really in love of country, but he can't. Of course, the world's going to think we're dysfunctional and we are the leading voice and the leading light in the world and have been an exceptional nation founded under God, blessed by God, prospered. We become the most resourceful, the most prosperous, the most free nation on the history of the, in the history of the world, on the globe. And now we can be used as an example of dysfunction, rightly so, by a guy who has a globalist agenda. That's what he's doing here, and that's going to be the course of the conversation there. They can use the crisis. They can use the things that he listed in his list of problems that need to be solved in the world, and particularly this climate crisis idea. It's concerning. He's also warned that if anyone who anyone seeks to trivialize the event or hijack its key messages, including, I'm quoting him, the often mentioned Great Recess, he said, you will be, con- you will be treated with contempt. <laughs> so contrary voices are not going to be tolerated. Tolerance was just a stepping stone to where we are now. You hardly ever hear that word used. Tolerance is a virtue. We need to have tolerance. Bullying. How many times did we hear bullying a few years ago? I mean, every five minutes, some story about some teacher or somebody somewhere was charging somebody with bullying. You hardly hear that word now because it it achieved its purpose and it got them, the left, to the next step. He says the atmosphere in Davos takes place that takes place will be welcoming. <laughs> but it's also of utmost seriousness, he says. So there's no place for the frivolous fringe, that would be anyone who disagrees, that seeks to distract or divert attention. And he said, and I condemn it wholeheartedly, particularly of those who have nothing to do with the World Economic Forum community and just come to Davos to hijack our brand. What he's talking about there is liberals, not conservatives, but liberals who have their own agenda out here somewhere and they're doing something kind of parallel but different than what this Davos group, this World Economic Forum is doing. If they come there and then they can go back to Africa or wherever they're from, I mean, England, U.S., doesn't matter. They come back and they go, well, when I was at Davos, uh, blah, blah, blah. And then on the left, on the on the globalist side, He's saying that could give them some um, influence that they wouldn't otherwise have, and that's not going to be tolerated. So if they think somebody's there just to hijack their brand, then they're going to get rid of them. They're going to get them out of there. That's spoken like a true globalist. Globalists talk about coming together and kind of a kumbaya community. Let's all, we are the world, we are the world. They talk about that till they get their position of power, and then everything changes in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, everything changes. That is the agenda of the true globalist. The Lord knows that. That's why he was so against globalism. Genesis Genesis outlines very clearly. Nimrod was a hunter. He was a leader among men. He was a builder of cities. He, he, he built Babel. He built Nineveh. He was a great-grandson of Noah, but he didn't live up to the virtues of Noah. Not that Noah didn't have his failures. He did. The Bible tells us about it. 
But Nimrod's standards that God had found in Noah did not exist in him. He was a bully among men. He took what he wanted, including women, whenever he desired, because he was a big man physically. In fact, he was said among people of that day that his mighty bow and hunting were his major interests in life. He believed in God, but he was kind of jealous of God, in my view, from what I've read. Nimrod was the most powerful bowman in the land. Everybody said that. He believed that if he shot an arrow into the clouds above, it would surely strike an angel. He said, and the proof of it will be when the arrow falls, it'll have blood on it. I mean, that was the arrogance of this guy. Does that sound familiar to anyone you've heard of that's meeting this next weekend? You know how that turned out. It didn't. The Tower of Babel. God came and confused the tongues, the languages. The people that were building that thing that was going up in the air, the tower, they couldn't even communicate anymore. I mean, they were stunned. We sometimes look at it as a kind of a Sunday school story on a flannel board. Remember those? But this is a real story that really happened. And God is so opposed to globalism. And that's basically what Nimrod had in mind, whatever he called it. God was so opposed to it that he acted as he did. And the, the scripture is very clear about what he did. But that's what we're looking at again today. These guys are building their tower to the sky. Not in honor of God, but in rebellion of God, because they're saying, no, God, God is what you people need because you're weak. But we elites don't need God. We need science or whatever. That's what's going on here. Last November, the New York Times explained what the COP26 was there they're involved in this meeting there. I'll just mention that because you're going to be hearing about that or seeing it in the news. And I mean, it's been there for the last year or so. But it's basically, it's basically just a, a part of the larger picture to bring people together. But it's using this climate crisis summit thing. They wrapped up in Glasgow last fall. I think it was in November. New York Times was talking about it. And it's COP means conference of parties. That means a bringing together of world people and uniting them around climate change. I mean, that's there's a lot there, but that's basically what it is. But the crisis that predicts the end of the human race and life as we've known it due to warming temperatures has taken on this this religious tone, and that religious tone is being reflected in what this Klaus Schwab is saying and what others are saying. Because it is a kind of a religion that is that has left out God. Because the cross is foolishness. It's unwise. And only the people who need a crutch would buy into the story of some person, a nice person, dying on a cross a long time ago as their hope for the future. That's what these people think. And that's why I will tell you that as long as God gives me breath and I have the opportunity to do so, I will preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or I'll share it, I'll write it, I'll do whatever I can do. The gospel of Jesus Christ is our only, our only hope. There is no hope outside of God. But in God, there is great hope. There is a great future. And I want to tell you this as we leave. I'm almost out of time. But I want to tell you, God is in control. Nothing's going to happen before or after God has it planned. 
everything is right on schedule. Trust him. Thanks for your support. Have a great weekend. I'll see you Monday. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.